0: Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Um, good to have you guys uh, with us, and I think you just got an experience of what it was like to maybe hear Jesus, because Jesus had no microphones uh, back in the first, I don't know if you know in the first century there were no microphones at all, right? Could you imagine feeding the 5,000 he was preaching? I bet somebody in the back is like, I can't hear a word he's saying, I'm supposed to say amen with it. Um, I bet Jesus had r- really good vocals, I mean, to do that. Paul, I mean, I just, as I was thinking about it, I was like, man, they would speak to thousands, and, and they would either invite them to be in anger, or they would actually encourage them. So um, that's so you got a little taste. You're like, I can't really hear what he's saying, it's because you've been spoiled. Imagine walking with Jesus. Good to have you guys with us today. Um, as Pastor Keith said tonight at 6 p.m., we're going to do a night of worship over our Richmond campus. It's uh, 3105 Chatham Road, and that's in Richmond City. You can look on our website; the address is there for the Richmond campus. We're just going to worship together and just share some things about 2015 and what God has in store. And so I look forward to uh, you know just sharing with you guys and going over there. They're always they're always saying, well, "You guys never do." thing over here. So I was like, we're going to do a night of worship over there with you guys. And so it's going to be an exciting night. Some of y'all are all like, yeah, right. The playoffs are on. I will not be there. That's fine. I hope the guilt of the Lord is laid upon your heart. You worship football church. You go ahead. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I actually thought, like, you know, you know what I thought? And I'm just being real with you. We'll get the Bible in a second. I, I got it all ready for you. Um, you know what I thought? I was like, I am never booking anything again on the second or third week of January ever. That was the dumbest thing. Because I'm the biggest sports fan ever. That's what I do for fun. Um, so I was like, I will never do that again. I remember one time my wife booked a, a, a camping trip. It was on January, like, 20th. And it was uh, in 2000 and. Ten, I think it was, and that's—I uh, all I remember—is the Colts were playing and the Saints were playing. Like it's two really two good games, and we went to the Everglades, and guys, kid you not. A swarm of mosquitoes, like a plague, came to the Everglades. They were stuck to the top of our tent. We couldn't get, I mean, it was bad. We got out and they were, they were latching. I mean, it was bad. It was like a movie. And so my wife's like, we, we'll just go back to Fort Lauderdale to my, our apartment there. We had an apartment at her, uh, at her college. We'll just go there and we'll just stay there for the weekend. I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> And I watched football instead of camping out in the Everglades. I saw the Everglades. That's all I needed. I didn't need three or four days out there. (laughs) Welcome to Thrive Church. I'm Kevin, the lead pastor. Uh, If you are new with us uh, today, then you have to put up with this if you decide to stay here uh, every week. But seriously, if you're new with us, thanks for coming out in the rain. I really appreciate it. You can drop your connection card in the blue basket before you leave today. And you've joined us in a series called My Story. And it's not really my story. It's like our story. It's God's story. But we've been investing investigating what it looks like to live a story worth telling, to let God live a story through your life. And so, to get started, let's go ahead and turn to Hebrews 12.2, our key verse for the series. Hebrews 12.2. And as you turn in there, let's pray. Father, we are honored to be able to be part of your kingdom we are grateful, Lord, to get to gather together, even on a rainy day, Lord, and just think of your goodness. The rain is a blessing. Uh, Father, we ask today as we open your word up that you would open our hearts up to your word. Help us understand it. For you said where well, you don't understand it, the enemy comes and takes the seed. So, Lord, may we understand your word today. And I pray, Lord, that it be great fruit that is born, Lord. For we know that your word does not return void. And so we pray these things and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So our Overarching theme, if you just joined us this week, or or maybe you took the first two weeks off of church for the year, um, that's cool. The first uh, two weeks, what we've talked about is, is that God wants to tell a story through your life. If I sat down with you, every one of you have a book that you've written so far about your life. Good, bad, or even ugly. As I said last week, some of you have whole chapters, you'd like to rip out of that book, right? You're like, I would love to get rid of some, some, some chapters, some seasons of my life. But here's the good news, guys. This is why we're doing this series is that from this point forward, check this out, your story is unwritten. Your story is unwritten from this point forward, meaning that your future has yet to happen. You can make the decisions to tell the story God wants you to tell. Matter of fact, the whole idea of this has been here. The decisions we make today will determine our stories tomorrow. Uh, Many of us uh, hit an obstacle in life that will cause us to either stay or go. The first week I told you about starting disciplines to get closer to Jesus, starting habits. Last week I told you about stopping things. Well, today I don't tell you about staying. Because sometimes in life it's easier to go when things get rough than it is to stay. And in your notes here you can write this down. It says sometimes the best decision you can make is to stay when it would be easier to go. See, there are tough times that, that come in our life and God actually prompts us to stay the course. Now, if you're getting nervous about something, you didn't, like you're leaving a job or something and you're really nervous, I'm speaking about going next week. So, I'll balance you out. So, um, you know, just just hang out till next week if you're really getting nervous here. But sometimes you've got to stay the course. I'll never forget my, one of my first ministry attempts. Like, uh, you know, the Lord gave me some really unique ministry attempts. My first one was at Emmanuel college and I was a youth pastor. And um, you know, I told you guys about the first youth pastor. there were no kids. At the church, no students at all. That's. I was was so happy. I'm going to be a youth pastor. He's like, yes, how many kids you guys? said, none. This is great. Well, then I went on to be a youth pastor of a church with 10 kids. And quickly, the Lord blessed that endeavor. We kind of do what we're doing here. Pastor Keith was part of that ministry. And we grew to 60 or 70 students um, on Wednesday nights. We had a big worship service. I mean, it was awesome. We had a good time with them. And we started reaching, as you see, Thrive is different uh, races and cultures and classes and groups. And the church, the adult church, the big church we called it, they didn't like it because they were one homogenous unit and they are one socio-economical class and so a lot of these kids their, their parents started coming because they saw such excitement for Jesus in their kids how awesome is that so their parents come on Sunday mornings and they're like wearing jeans and dressed down, everybody's in their suit and tie and they're stuffy and they wouldn't talk to people and this is my seat and, and they got really mad at us like really mad. So here's what happened. The people of that church started tithing, that's when you give 10% of your income to the church, to the building fund. Because you don't have to give money to your network or give, and you can't pay salaries out of that. And they were paying all their bills through the building fund. You know why they were doing that, don't you? So they could starve us out. My wife and I were just married. Um, you know, we were young college students and that salary, it, was, it wasn't a lot of salary at all, but it was enough to help feed us. We were actually on food stamps at that time. Um, I, I've been there if you're there. And, and the church decided to starve us out. And I mean, i tell you what, I sat in church meetings where people were hollering and fighting and screaming and cussing. I mean, it was the worst thing. You know, and the pastor come to me, he said, you know, they've, they've stopped tithing. They're doing this. We can't do anything about it. They're doing it to the building fund. We're going to have to cut our salaries. And I don't blame you if you want to go. You know, my wife and I prayed about it. And I looked at those kids' you know, his faces. And they were hungry for Jesus. I said, man, you know, it'd be easier to go. And I really thought the Lord was going to tell us to stay. Well, then it got even better. Um, the, the network we were in come and said, hey, why don't you guys just plant a church? Just take the people who like you and leave. Because it's not getting better. And it wasn't. I mean, it was a stronghold of traditional religion, religiosity of that church. And so we planted a church in the community. And then we got no salary. So it went from uh, some to little to none. And the Lord told us, stay the course. And, uh, you know, and, and I look out through all that that time, it would have been easier to go. We could have just said, man, forget this. I could, you know, do campus ministry on Sunday mornings. But the Lord told me to stay the course. And I want you to realize this. The more God wants to use you, and listen to this, the more likely you will feel the urge to quit. All right. The more that God wants to use you in your life, you'll feel like quitting following the Lord and quitting your marriage and quitting your job and quitting on your kids. And, and you've got to realize there's a warfare the enemy wants you to quit. So sometimes when it's... It's easier to go, the best decision you can make is to stay in the situation. Today our our key scripture is this. And so how do you live this story? You have a future from here on out that you get to write. Isn't that cool? It's not written yet. So how do you do that? Watch this in Hebrews 12 too. The writer of Hebrews says let us fix our eyes on Jesus. I love this. The author and perfecter of our faith. What if you let, from this point forward, Jesus be the author of your story? What if you let the Lord direct your path? What if you let the Lord um, lead you into job opportunities or relationships? What if you let the Lord write that story? How beautiful would that look, right? And so many of us need to let the Lord be the author of our story. Last week I talked to you about the idea of stopping. Today I'm going to talk to you about the idea of staying. I mean, you've been in services, right? Where like the missionary gets up and he shares the story about how he went. And Abraham, you know, in Genesis 12 said, go. And you're ready just to go anywhere. I'm going to go anywhere. Well, we'll get to that next week. But today, I I, I want you to realize there's some times you need to stay in the situation that you are in. And here's today's big idea. To finish well, eventually you have to stay. To finish well, eventually you're going to have to stay. I mean, you can't keep hopping from place to place to place in job, relationship, and then um, you're wondering why things just aren't turning out good. Sometimes you've got to dig your heels in and say, in order to finish well in my life, I've got to have staying power. I told you before, only one out of three Christians, and this is studies here from Fuller Theological Seminary, one out of three Christians actually finish well in their life. Meaning they have a vibrant relationship with the Lord, and they're in good standing with God when they finish. And they take their last breath. One out of three. That means one third of us in here are going to be tripped up. And so in order to finish well, eventually you're going to have to stay where God wants you to stay. I want to look at the story this morning. The account of a lady named Ruth. And many of you guys have heard the story before. But I want to, to share it in light of the opportunity to stay. And go and look at Ruth one fifteen and 16. Ruth one fifteen and 16. Now, here's the backdrop of, of Ruth and her story with Naomi. Is that uh, Ruth was Naomi's daughter-in-law. Okay? And uh, so Ruth had, had, had uh, her husband and, uh, that was uh, Naomi's uh, son. And then Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah had her, uh, I said it right, is, uh, is her husband. Um, she was also a, a daughter-in-law too. Her husband was Naomi's son. So you have Naomi with two daughter-in-laws and a husband. Well, tragedy strikes the land. A famine hits. And Naomi's husband dies. Ruth's husband dies, and so does uh, um, Orpa's hu- husband. Not Oprah. Orpa. Um, just so you don't go home saying he talked about Oprah uh, today. And so what happened at this point was that Ruth and, and, and Orpa had a decision to make. Everything has fallen apart with our original plan A. We have got to make a decision, and the decision that they made were two opposites. Uh, uh, Orpah made the decision to go, but Ruth made the decision to stay. And I love in the first chapter, it says that Ruth clung to Naomi while Orpah just kissed her. See, you got to realize God has a plan for your life, no matter what your life looks like. And the thing that scares me as a pastor is that many of us are like oprah We kiss the destiny God has for us. We kind of play with it where others of us cling to what God has for us. And we will not be moved no matter what. And if you're going to finish well in your life, you've got to eventually stop playing patty cake with the destiny that God has put before you. And you've got to get to a place you say, I'm going to cling to it, baby, no matter what. I'm going to hang on like that little frog on the windshield that gets up to about, see, you ever had a little frog on the windshield before? The little, the little green frogs, they hang on the windshield. If you haven't, it, it's cool. To about 60 miles per hour, then you just can't hold on. But I'm going to hang on until I can't hang on any longer. <laughs> so you've got to have staying power. And that's what Ruth had. And, And her whole story was different. See, her story looked bad to that point, didn't it? If you stop the story there, it's a tragedy. But look what God does. And look at Ruth 1.15. Look, said Naomi, this is her her, her, uh, mother-in-law. Your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. pluralistic gods, her idolatry. So she's going back to a land of idolatry. It's easier there with the land of idolatry. It's harder to live for God than not live for God. Just, just know that it's a lot harder uh, to live for God than not live for Him. And so she said this. She said, "Go back with her. Look what Ruth says, the daughter-in-law. Don't urge me to leave you or turn your back from turn my back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, she served the one true living God. Your God will be my God." She said, I am going to hang in there like a hair in a biscuit with you. I'm not giving up. I'm I'm going to stick with you. And it would have been an easy opportunity for her to to leave. I mean, realize a widow in that culture, especially a young widow, uh, they were looked down upon. There wasn't like, you know, equal opportunities and stuff. People didn't want to use it. And so their opportunity now was to go work in the fields. And so Ruth goes to work in the fields and get dirty and messy to take care of her poor poor mother-in-law where tragedy struck. Now the sad thing is, in the fields is where men took advantage of women, and it wasn't a pretty place to be. It wasn't like you know, back when I used to work in the fields when I was younger. Some of y'all teenagers don't know about that. You need to go work in the tobacco field a little bit and learn something. Amen. Amen. Y'all worked in tobacco fields before? Hey, I see that hand. Only two of y'all. That's what's wrong with this church. Three. That's what's wrong with all y'all, man. Y'all need to go out in the tobacco field and work. That's where you, you learn some stuff. Pick some green beans. Pick some corn, man. That's what you need to do. I was, I, you know, I, I used to as a kid. In the mornings, I would go my grandmother at 6 a.m. and I would pick all the way until about 11 a.m. then we'd go eat lunch and watch the programs in the afternoon and and, and do the beans and stuff right? See y'all know nothing about that. Some of y'all are too much of city folks. So Ruth was out there in the field working. She was working and I want you to watch what happens when she was working. Because a rich man steps in to help her because he heard her story. And listen, he heard of her decision to stay. We don't know what happened to Orpah, but we are going to find out what happens to Ruth. And look at this in Ruth, in, in Ruth 2, verse 11. And this is Boaz. Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. You see that? I've heard your story. I've heard your story. This is a powerful story of overcoming, a, power, a story of staying, a story of hanging in there. How you left your father and mother and your homeland to live with the people you did not know before. Isn't that amazing? Just to take care of a mother-in-law. That's how much uh, faithfulness she had. Now watch this. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. Now do you realize, if you keep reading the story, that Ruth ended up marrying Boaz. And he was rich, he was powerful. And you know the reason that he was attracted to her? Because she had the story of staying. See, you understand that favor will follow you whenever you have the power to stay in a situation that sometimes does not look good to stay in. People say, man, I heard your story of how you did I heard your story of how you've done that. Can I be honest with you? If if I just would have went and took over a church that already had this many people in it, there's not much of a story to tell, is there? I'm just managing somebody else's work. But I mean, I sat in a coaching session on Monday night with 30 pastors. Some of them drove two hours away. Never met them. They said, I heard your story of what has happened. And I wanted to come listen. See, people want to hear your story. Every one of you have a story to tell. You know, you realize this. The Bible says this. And it's kind of confusing. It says that, that, that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And we get really weird. You know what that really means? That when you talk to someone about what Jesus has done for you, it's, it can speak to anybody, anywhere, anytime, any nationality, anywhere. When you share what Jesus has done for you, they can say, well, I don't believe in Jesus. But I tell you what, they have to believe what Jesus did for you. That's right. You know, um, I actually have a friend, I, you know, my, my testimony, I wrote it for a couple writing a book in our church um, at the Richmond campus, and I wrote my testimony. And as I was writing, do you know sometimes we, we get evangelistic? We stretch stories, right? Well, I, I had, had heroin needles in my arm and drugged myself in the church and laid on the altar and the angels picked me up. And, yeah, that didn't really happen, you know, like, but if we make it, the salad, right. <laughs> We had five people and there was five of them and half of them were dead after the first service and God resurrected the church. That's not really what happened. But, you know, I was sharing my testimony. I'll be honest with you. I said, Lord, am I being evangelistic? Because I literally had this experience. I mean, I was far from God. I was as far as you could be. And the Lord literally, and you may think, man, this guy's weird. The Lord, I was a drug addict, visited me and two friends after a party one night. I was tripping acid and I thought, listen, I thought that I had a bad trip. Everything went black. I came to and I was like... I said, guys, guys, I just had a bad trip. Oh, and they looked at me and they were white as ghosts. The same thing happened to them at the same exact time. I said, I don't know what this is, man. It's like, it's like a spirit did something to us in this room. And I got, we started shaking. We were convicted of our sins. I didn't know what that meant at that time. I stopped smoking cigarettes pretty much. I mean, I, I was still going to have some, but I was scared to smoke a cigarette that day. Because of the feeling of what happened. I'm going to tell you what. When we, The next day I sat with my friends and I said, hey, man, I said, uh, you know we're talking about they said look man I don't believe in gods. So I thought it was God I knew who God was I, just, I don't want to get to a church on that month Sunday or Monday they said let's don't talk about it anymore because I don't believe it was God and I, and I don't think it was really anything that really even happened that mattered like, they just pushed it off you know what I did the other day I texted my friend he's not a believer yet I just did his, his wedding last year how awesome is that he's my, one of my best friends a drug buddy back in high school I said hey man you remember that night remember that night so wasn't it crazy? He said, "Man, it's the freakiest night ever." I said, "Yeah, man." I said it changed my life forever. He said, "Yeah, I know." See, you got to realize that, because I did, I went to church that Monday and gave my life to Christ. They went far away from God at that point. They wanted nothing to do with God. I went to church Monday night. All my skateboard friends were like, hey, man, we're going to church to look at girls. I was like, I'm going, man, because I, I want to hear what's going on. They, they would smoke pot and go to church. And I was like, I'm going because, I mean, I really think I'm going to get saved. They're like, what are you talking about? And when they, they gave the auto call, I was like, me, stood up, and they are like because I would never go to church. So you realize that, you know, people can say to me, well, God ain't real and Jesus ain't real. So man, you're crazy because he did something for me. He changed my life, and here's how he did it. And you may not believe in God. But let me tell you something. He changed. See, your story has power to it, but you've got to share your story. Ruth had a story, and, and it's a beautiful. Keep reading. I, I dare to go home this week and read what happened to Ruth as she married Boaz, and now she was in the lineage of Jesus. She was one of the ones that, that helped uh, through. You know, came. He's, he's in her line there, and she never should have been there. So here's the two questions to ask if you're going to. Tell the story God wants you to tell. Here's the two questions we've been looking at. Number one is this What does God want me, and put in your notes, to want? Yes, the same one you had week one and week two. What does God want me to want? See, your desires have to line up with God's desires. And when you're praying, ask the Lord God, I really want to do this, but what do you want? You know what Jesus prayed in the garden? When he kneeled down in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but what? Your will be done. He said, not my desires, not what I want, but it's what you want. So in this new year, I pray that you would ask the Lord, God, change the desires of my heart become the desires of your heart. Because I want things that you don't want. And I want to do things that you don't want me to do. So, Lord, bless me with that. Here's the next question you've got to ask. Where does God want me to stay? Where does God want me to stay? See, God is calling some of you to stay in a situation when you're ready to run. God is saying, dig your heels in and don't run. Because I want to tell a story through your life. And now, here, here's our problem in America, though. John 15, if you read that, it shows that the Father is the gardener of the the vineyard, right? He's a gardener. But we make God a genie in America. I'll say that again. Some of you are like, well, I don't know that. We make God a genie. God, I want, God, I want, God, I want. Will you come out and give me the things that I want? Well, God's not interested in giving you everything that you want. God's interested in shaping your life. Like a gardener shapes a garden, he's interested in shaping your life. He's interested in molding your life. He's interested in cultivating your life. But if you always keep looking at God as a magic genie to come up out of the box and answer all your prayers, you'll never know the Lord that wants to shape you for the purposes that he has for you. So where does God want you to stand? Stay and dig your heels in. So, here are three points quickly today, guys. When should I stay? Because some of y'all are asking that. Because y'all have situations, right? All right. Here's the first one. When you should stay, when God gives no clear direction for the next step, you should stay. When God gives no clear direction. From the net for the next step. Now you say, yeah, but Abraham he went out not knowing where he was going, and he just lost. And he, yeah, but God said, I, I, "You're going to a land I will show you." And Abraham knew the general direction of where to go. Right, leave Haran, go south. He knew that. So it wasn't like Abraham made some stupid decision just to hop up and just leave. He knew that God had a clear direction for him for the next step. Realize here that Ruth stayed with. Uh, Naomi, Because she had no real clear direction. She didn't know what to do next. God hadn't spoken to her heart. She was like, I don't know what to do next. I'm going to stay here with you. Because I have no clear direction. And let me just say this. You need to stay and pray for God to give you the next steps. I I, I actually had a friend. um, And and he was serving in ministry. And he was was on a team. And he said, man, I think I'm going to step out of this team. I said, what's God called you to step into next? What's your next? I don't know. I have no idea. I said, if you don't know, don't step out until you know what you're going to step into. And it may be that you step into a sabbatical. I said, is God calling you to a sabbatical? And this was a time off. He said, no. I said, that don't leave where you're at. Don't leave the ministry that you're on. Because if you have no real clear direction, you could be just stepping out of your own accord. And so when you don't know the clear next direction or next step um, with that, you don't know God leading you to a certain way, and you haven't really sought the Lord, then make sure that you stay. See, God's call has to be the primary motivator for you to go. And God's will has to be the primary motivator for you to stay. Do you get that? God's call has to be the primary motivator for you to go. But God's will has to be the primary motivator for you to stay. Now here's the next point. When should I stay? Not only when there's no really clear direction from God on the next step. But the next one is this. When offense is the primary motivator to go. You should stay when offense is the primary motivator to go. Uh, let me just say this. In all relationships, you will get rubbed wrong. How do you know that? How many married people do we have in here? Raise your hands high. This is the person that you love the most. You stared into their eyes as you said the vows. You could feel the butterflies as she came out with the. The nice big wedding dress. And she's probably, and he's probably the one you fight with the most. If you left, every time you had an argument, you would have a hundred marriages by the time you you die. Right? If you're not married, think about your friends, your family. You cannot let offense be the thing that directs your ship every time. Y'all yeah, said ship, S H I P, because um, some of y'all be emailing me. Uh, every time, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, you guys, you, you guys didn't get sanctified. But uh, every, every time, offense cannot be the primary motivator to go. It, it, what, what kills me is when I see people that hop and hop, relationship to job to church, and they go and they go and they go, and nothing's ever good enough. You know, I, I read this, I, I read articles about, um, you know, about the church in America, and there's, you know, there's only twenty percent that attend church, and people are leaving the church. And you know what? You know what the church is? Can I just tell you? You ready? Listen, it's relationships. All right. There's not a problem with church in America. There's a problem with relationships in America, and that's the real problem. That's the real problem. Now God will call you to leave a job or so he'll, he'll call you to leave a church. He'll call He does. He calls you to do those things. But if it's because you're upset and mad and somebody, you know, they 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 peed in your cornflakes, I mean, and then you're like, I'm I'm gonna go to the next thing, or it's your job, or I just can't get along with these people. You need to just fight through it. Yeah. All right. Because see, Jesus tells us in Matthew eighteen, if you have an issue with your brother or sister, don't email them, don't tweet them, don't text them, don't Facebook them, you go to them that's the number I'm telling you if we did that in our relationships and we were honest my wife and I are brutally honest with each other brutally in a good way not, I'm fine everything's good we talk to each other and we, we'll sit down on the floor and be like man what in the world was that you know, I acted like a fool the other night. I didn't go anything crazy. I just, you know, I, I, I usually get really somber instead of going crazy now. I, I, I flipped the switch. But she was like, what, what was that? What was that? And we talked for an hour. And, man, it, you know, I, I, it, it helps you when you talk through things. Instead of turning into a turtle in a shell, you're like, man, I'm not going to talk to anybody. Because what happens is you'll start the cycle over and over again. And if you look at your life, and that's what I do for mine, if you look at your life, you'll see cycles. Every six months, every eight months, every two and a half years, every three years, every... You know, you've got you've to watch out uh, with that. Stephen Furtick said this last weekend um, from Elevation Church, and it hit me. He said, the only legacy some of you will leave your children is the criticism of the nine churches you attended in the past nine years. I had to stop my car and go into a prayer. I mean, think about... What even your children need to see in your life. Think think about this. And, and, And here's the thing here. I mean, realize this. Sometimes negative situations do prompt you to leave a situation. You got me. Some of you have been in negative situations that were really bad and it did prompt you to go. I'm not saying, sometimes when it's negative, God will call you out of that negative situation. I fully understand that. So don't, don't hear me playing one side of the, uh, of, of the fence here, right? Playing, but sometimes it will. But you cannot, if you always get offended and then leave, offended and leave, offended and then remarried, offended a new job, offended in this, offended in that, offended. And it's, that's always your cycle. And I say, I don't know yours. I, I don't know you, but you know you. You've got to sit down and say, I cannot go if offense is the primary motivator in my mind. And, and let me just say this the way you finished the last season you're, you're in, or this season, is the way you'll enter your next season. Did you get that? The way you finished your last season is the way you'll enter the next season. Okay. If you finish a job badly and you just stop showing up and you kind of just slack off, eventually you're going to do it the job that you're at. And when I was working on hiring processes at one of the companies I was at, I would always ask the person, what does your final weeks look like? When I call for, for a, a, a reference, I say, okay, okay they, what, how do they finish at your company? Well, you know, they had two weeks, but they actually left a week early. So they're going to leave a week early at this job. See, you got to realize something. The way that you finish your life is the way you'll enter your next season. And, and, and bless everybody's heart. But when somebody comes to me and they're like just bad. Not that, I mean, there's issues. And sometimes but when somebody comes to me and says, I hate my last church. My last pastor. Rah, rah, and they're just going off of that church. I'm going to tell you it's a matter of time before I know that I'm going to be that same guy. Now, it's okay to share, hey, I had a bad experience. Here's my bad experience. Man, you know, the Lord called me out. There's a big difference. But when you didn't deal with it internally in your own heart, with a marriage, with whatever it is, you're going to carry baggage over. And so you cannot let offense be the primary motivator to go sit down with them, clear the air with them, forgive them, talk with them. Um, Because, friends, can I tell you something? You're going to spend eternity in heaven with them. Did you get it? Clearly you're able to. Here's your third and final point uh, today. It's okay so far, guys? When should you stay when I have a tendency to always run? When should you stay when I always have a tendency to run? You got some runners in here, right? There's runners in here. I mean, it gets bad, you run. And, and if you have a tendency to run, only you know that you have to do it. Andy Stanley recently had, had this question that, that he posed um, that I listened. He said, in light of my past experiences... What is the wisest decision I can make? When you're making a current decision that's going to write the story of your future, you've got to ask, in light of my past experiences, what's the wisest decision I can make today? in light of my so you, only you know your past experiences only you can tell that but fight the urge to run stop the cycle I had, I had an opportunity to quit twice in my life and that's when I played football I played football seven years loved football basketball baseball three sport athlete loved sports you guys know that but I wanted to quit and middle school was the first time because it was hot <laughs> You know, middle schoolers are like, I don't do nothing. They're just kind of, Ugh. you know, right? They're not just hard. They're hard. Some of them are hard to motivate to get out and do something hard. I mean, like the, in, the, in the yard or do all that. I just don't want to do it. My dad said, "Son, you know, don't don't quit it. You need to go ahead and go through it. You already started the season. We bought your pads. Go through it." I did. Well, my eleventh grade year, I'd started uh, uh, freshman, sophomore, eleventh grade year, I dropped forty to fifty pounds, and so I couldn't play offensive line. Come off of me. And I didn't know what position I was going to play. They didn't know what position I was going to play. It was like I don't know what we're going to do with you, (laughs) Bordeaux. You're too slow to be a free safety, but too small to be a lineman. And now you're so I had to gain some weight back, but I wanted to quit, and I actually left for a whole week from football. My dad said, son, I'm going to tell you something. You will regret, you will regret if you don't continue this. He said, if you quit this, it's going to start a cycle in your life and you're going to quit other things too when it gets hard. And just because you're not starting this year, don't quit. I'm going to tell you something, man. I went back to my coach. I sat and I cried like a baby. And I said, man, I'm so sorry. I really want to play. I, I, I Forgive it, you. you know, and, 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 and I actually started uh, the second half of the year in my senior year. And I didn't quit. You see, many of you today are fighting the urge to quit. And some of you are in college. And you're taking classes. And you have a direction for life. And you want to quit. Because it's hard, right? Kids are all sick. Money's not like it's supposed to be. Some of you are in a relationship and it's tough. Very tough. And you want to quit. Now, let me get... Can, can, can I give a Thrive disclaimer? You ready? Y'all still love me? If you're in a relationship and you're being physically abused, you need to quit. You need to run. That's the only time... There's. Listen to me. There is no reason to stay. Because what you do is, if you ever get physically hit by, by, by your spouse... And men, maybe some of y'all getting beat up by your wife in here. I don't know. You <laughs> know. No, seriously, but seriously, here's what you need to do. You tell that person, you get your, your junk right. I'm going to go live here. And you get through counseling. We'll get through counseling together if you want to. And if you get through it, we'll stay together. But if you hit me again, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to call 911. And you're going your butt to jail. Because some of those guys, and, and, and do this here. If you're being abused here at Thrive Church, don't you do something. Call call 911 first. And then you call me second. And you let your, your, your spouse know, if you want to hit somebody, you meet Pastor Kevin behind the church, he said, you can, you can come hit him, and I guarantee he'll hit back. It's not, it's, it's, and i am telling you, it's not a joke, guys. Uh, I, I, I have preached these sermons before, and I say this because then I'll get an email that says, well, I've been getting beat and black-eyed and bloody nose, but I just feel God wants me to stay. No. No, you're being codependent. You're being codependent. Now, if you're having a tough time in marriage, stay. Get counseling, man. We've got great partners here that, that, that can help you what you need. Contact us. But if you're being physically abused, you need, to, you need to go ahead and make the right phone calls and let him or her get the help that they need. Okay? And if they're willing to do that, then you can have a great marriage. I have seen restorations. You guys got that here? But if you're just mad because he wanted to watch the game and you want to go shopping and you want to quit, don't do that. That's stupid. Some of you, your jobs lost its luster, man. You're like, you know, when you first got that job, you were so excited—the money, the the hours. And they're like, I don't like it anymore. But God wants you to stay. Maybe you got—you got to pray about that. And some of you have lost friends because you went through a tough time, and you blocked them, defriended them, you—you know, you unfollowed them, whatever you need to. And—and they're not friends anymore because you went through a tough time. Fight the urge to quit. uh, I really don't quit at all in my life. I'm tell you what what changed my life. I watched my mom and dad growing up, and they both I don't know how you deal with this. They both beat the tar out of each other. I don't know what you do. Like dad would throw a plate at mom. He, you know, she picked one up and throw it back at him. I mean, they just they were just. I didn't know who to, like, try to stop because they both were just wild. And I grew up as a child. I would literally go to bed with them fussing and fighting and arguing and throwing stuff and breaking stuff. I'd get the next morning, put my book back on. I'd get, I'd walk through the trash and junk and the spaghetti on the walls. I'd go to school. I'd come back. And it was all cleaned up like nothing ever happened. And it went on for a long time. You know, I was a teenager, and I wish there was days my parents would have divorced. So I was like, oh, just leave each other. This is, this is I'm going to tell you what happened after I got saved. My mom renewed her life to Christ, gave her life back to Christ. She had served as a a pianist in the church for many years. And I saw my mom and dad go through a change. The last 13 years of marriage were beautiful. Beautiful. I watched dad care for mom while she was dying of cancer. And he put everything on hold. He had never done that, put it on hold. He washed clothes. He paid bills. He did dishes. He took care of her. I watched them do that. I hear mom talk about dad and they just talked about they were high school sweethearts 43 years and, and, and I saw that sometimes you need to stay in a situation because when you do the end can be much better than the beginning. Some of you are fighting the urge today to, to leave something to quit something and you know God is not telling you to quit. Let me close with this illustration here. An elderly lady was once asked by a young man who had grown weary in the fight whether he ought to give up the struggle. He says, man, I'm beaten every time. I'm beaten every time. I feel I must give up. She said this. She said, did you ever notice, son? And she was smiling at him. She said that when the Lord told the discouraged fishermen to cast their nets again, he told them to cast them in the same place they had before and caught nothing. Do you understand that sometimes there's been nothing happening and the Lord this year is going to say, cast your nets again. Give it a shot again. Don't quit what you're going through. Some of you today, I can, I can just sense that I can feel it in the room. You know the Lord wants to deal with you in an area where he's asking you to stay. I don't know what it is. But I know the Lord's dealing with you with that. If you will stand to your feet this morning. As you stand to your feet and get your blood pumping a little bit again, I want you just to close your eyes in here.